1: At the founding of our country, we had a meeting place, an old elm tree in Boston. This tree was how ideas were formed, expressed, and exchanged. Today, ideas like those expressed are considered dangerous and traitorous, when in turn, it should be embraced as our founding ideas. From this tree, Burked a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal, as President Lincoln said. That same spirit is what inspired the host, this show, and the Liberty Tree Society. Here is your host, Phil Arlinghouse.
2: Welcome into the Liberty Tree Society program. I'm your host, Phil, and uh, today we have a special guest with me, former Congressman uh, Jimmy Duncan, he uh, was for District Two of Tennessee, and uh, we—I got to spend a little bit of time with him today, and I get to know him a little bit on a personal level. I've—I've I've heard stories of him and seen him on TV and things like that and <laughs> in interviews, uh, but actually getting a little bit of the personal level is nice. And I was telling him that uh, my wife's stepdad knew him back in when in his judge days. Right. And um, I'll get him to share a little bit about uh, his history and and life growing up and different things like that, as well as his time in in Congress and his faith as well. So, uh, thank you for coming on. Well, Phil, thank you very much. It's a honor and a
3: privilege for me to be here with you. And and I did. Uh, I had a. Um, I was very lucky. I had a very fascinating career. Uh, as a small boy, I. Uh, used to tell people I wanted to be a lawyer when I grew up, and so I was able to to do that. And uh, I had a fascinating law practice, very unusual and um, many strange, funny, unusual cases. And uh, then uh, I had 16 years as a lawyer and a judge before I went to Congress, and I v- was able to stay in Congress for 30 years. So I had 46 years after law school, and I had worked all through high school and college. I'd been a, In high school, I was a groundskeeper at a baseball park, and then I was a, a bag boy at the A&P grocery store, and then uh, my first two years at UT, I was a salesman at Sears, and, I became, and then I worked full-time as a newspaper reporter while I was uh, at UT, and then uh, I actually uh, was going to go to law school full-time, and then I found out that uh, I could get a teaching job in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, Uh, and switched to the night law school at George Washington University. And my first year there, I taught school uh, during the day and went to law school three hours a night and uh, three hours on Saturday. And I did that for a year. And then I uh, reluctantly gave up my teaching job so I could go to law school full time and finish up faster. And then I became a lawyer here in Knoxville. And then uh, a judge. Uh, so uh, I was very, very lucky. Yeah. Wow. So you were in D.C. before you were in Congress. Yes. I uh, well, I, I had uh, I worked two summers while I was at UT in the Nixon for President campaign, and um, and that was uh, that was very fascinating and, uh, uh, because the campaigns were very small and a lot smaller back then. And uh, In fact, in the summer of 67, there were only about uh, 20 people in a headquarters uh, on Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington. And then uh, Pat Buchanan and Rosemary Woods worked for Mr. Nixon at his law firm in in, uh, New York City. And he changed, he fired the man who was the head of his campaign and brought in this uh, uh, former congressman from Kansas to chair his campaign in the summer of 67. And we came in uh, uh, one day and gathered everybody around and, and um, he said, you're all fired. And he said, I want to meet you individually up in the office. And, and, uh, and a lot of the women were crying and people in shock. And, and uh, there was a one of the college student was from Dartmouth, uh, Mark Pfeiffer from Columbus, Indiana, and I never will forget. Uh, And he'd gotten there about 8.30 that morning, and and this happened about 10 o'clock, and I remember him saying, this is great. My hometown newspaper in Columbus had a front page story about me coming to work for the Nixon committee yesterday, and he said, now I'm here not even two hours, and I get fired. But they ended up... (laughs) <laughs> wound up keeping me and him, who were only two college students and the switchboard operator, um, and firing everybody else. And I, and I told people, I said, I wasn't even high enough up in the campaign to get fired. <laughs> but I uh, worked those two summers, and, and then I'd been to school all my life in Knoxville, uh, Chittany Elementary, and Holston High School, and then UT. And so uh, I had a free place to stay up in Washington with my dad. And uh, so I just uh, had decided I wanted to go to law school in Washington, and I was able to do that. <clears throat> but I always, I always
2: planned to come back to Knoxville to practice law, which is what I did. Well, it's always good to keep your hometown in mind. It's uh, my wife and I. We moved away to um, the D.C. area for a while um, for some job opportunities, and uh, we. When uh, when we worked there, it was great getting that experience, but it was always, <clears throat> when we uh, when we started a family, we wanted to be closer to home and, right. and family, and I also couldn't get the UT games every weekend up there, so it yeah. was disappointing, but <laughs> we we enjoyed our time up there, and it, it's a fascinating city. I'm, I'm a history guy, so. Yeah, well, me
3: too, and in, in fact, uh, I took the almost all my electives at the UT in history, and so, so many that I actually could have had a degree in history if I'd been in the College of Liberal Arts, but mm-hmm. uh, um, but I got my undergraduate degree in journalism at a time when very few people majored in journalism. And, and uh, but uh, uh, I like when they probably actually taught you what journalism. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, well, I know that's true. They, they th- back then uh, they they were very strong on on their being. Uh, a difference between the news pages and the opinion pages, mm-hmm. and uh, but um, so I have some pretty strong feelings about that. But uh, uh, it was a great experience for me to go to law school up in Washington. I used to joke and say that I was the only one in the whole law school that spoke without an accent. So uh, <laughs> I was I, I sort of stood out when I was called upon. But uh, uh, I, I don't believe in education because I know that I studied much harder for fear of being called on by these uh, law professors that uh, seem to enjoy embarrassing students. And so, uh, but, uh, but but also, I've always said probably the best or one of the best decisions I ever made was I told my wife that I wanted our kids to be raised in Tennessee, and, uh, and I'm so Happy that that, uh, and we end up. uh, uh, I've got four grandchildren and nine uh, grandchildren, all
2: living here in Knoxville. It's good. Yeah, family's very important. That's like we. I was very much uh, just seeing some of the friends we made, their kids going to public school in Maryland, and was like, yeah, I'm definitely not gonna want to raise a family here. Right and uh, especially my faith is very important and they were very anti-faith in the school systems up there and uh-huh. I just was like how can you have your kids in public school and and then we're seeing a lot of the shenanigans going on in schools now even here locally there's a lot of things going on that's not very good they're not um, in my opinion the way it should be but uh, I tend to have a hard constitutional view and a faith view on how things should be, so. Well, there's a
3: famous uh, US Supreme Court case from 1952 called Zorak v. Clausen, and it was written by William O. Douglas, who was considered the most liberal or left-wing member of the Supreme Court probably in its history, and he wrote that uh, government uh, uh, freedom from religion did not mean government hosti- should not mean government hostility toward religion. Okay. And there's a, a, it just became, a, a, it's unfortunate that, uh, I think it's unfortunate that we took prayer and Bible reading out of the schools mm-hmm. because uh, um, I've said, uh, I know that maybe maybe a lot of the kids didn't Pay that much attention, but you would never know when a child might might have come to school hurting in some way because of a divorce from his parents, with his parents, or a tragedy within the family of some sort, and that they needed uh, uh, something. They needed a little extra help, and it, it sent a message that the, that there is a greater power uh, available to us uh, during tough times, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that message for many years now has not
2: been given to the children in the public schools. Yeah, and that's that's something I'm seeing. as I'm I'm I've got a three-year-old daughter, and we're um, she's in a uh, private Christian preschool right now. Yeah, and um, very happy with that. And then, but. I mean, my wife and I get in arguments about sending her to either private school or homeschooling or public school, because I'm very much like, I don't want to send her to public school. Even as good as I think our schools here in Tennessee, I think they're a lot better than those like in Maryland or more liberal states, but the school boards still take federal dollars and have to be mandated by the Department of Education. So... Uh, We'll be right back here on the Liberty Tree Society program. I got my guest here, former Congressman Jimmy Duncan. We'll be right back after this brief message. And, and have this little conversation with them. And there at the end of the last segment, we were going into some of the uh, faith issues and like taking prayer out of school and, and Bible reading out of school. And it's um, it's a sad thing to, to see. I had, uh, when I was in school, I had some teachers who were old enough to have taught Bible classes and, and we would sit and have discussions um, about bible and theology and things but it was always private after class you know right. they, they weren't allowed to do it and and um during class and they were uh one was a math teacher and i was like yeah you should have stuck to teaching bible because <laughs> you yeah. not really do math but yeah uh, or maybe i couldn't do math, so i was confused anyway but anyway <laughs> but um let's uh let's go back to um your history with faith and and God and and what 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 did that look like growing up and uh, well, local fe- church or whatever? Well, Phil,
0: or- I was fortunate and, and I had uh, wonderful parents, and we knew growing up that uh, uh, we were going to go to Sunday school and church on Sunday if we were in town, and we were going to go to Sunday school and church if we were out of town, and uh, it was. Uh, a good day, a rainy day, or a snow day, or whatever—we were going to go to church. We were brought up that way. My grandfather, Papa Duncan, had ten kids in an outhouse and not much more—a subsistence farm in Scott County, Tennessee. But uh, and he never had a car, never had a vacation. But uh, he had his—he was a farmer and carpenter. But he had his own little Presbyterian church in Helenwood. And he didn't miss a Sunday for 63 years, and he knew the Bible backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. And over the years, uh, I, I, when I was in college, I read the book A Man Called Peter. That had a real effect on me. And so for all through the years, I have worked hard on my faith, and I have many favorite Bible verses. I've spoken in a lot of churches and schools and so forth, and I've told people that life is filled with far more good times than bad, but everybody gets hurt by life. Life is unfair to everybody in some way. And uh, so I've told young people especially that you need to work on your faith when times are good to be ready for those tough times that hit everybody. And And so I love the 34th Psalm. The whole Psalm is good, but uh, uh Thir- uh, verse 34, 6 says, uh, This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, John 15, 7 says, uh, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. I have uh, I, uh, First Peter 4, 5, and 6, uh, uh, the fourth chapter, the fifth and sixth verses uh, say, uh, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time, casting your care upon him, for he cares for you. And uh, 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 Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I I, I like that section from the Bible because I don't know who is the smartest, most brilliant person in the world, but they would have to admit that their knowledge is but an infinitesimal speck of all the knowledge that's out there. And so there's always going to be so many things that we don't understand. Our understanding will never be sufficient. And uh, and you know I'll never be able to explain why bad things happen to good people, which they do. But I I really believe that my life goes better and has gone better in the times when I've been the closest to the Lord, and I work on it every day. I I, I read the I, for years I've read this little daily guidepost Bible study, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I uh i say a long prayer every morning i i need to because uh uh you know it's a, uh it, like i said er, everybody gets hurt by life mm-hmm. everybody you me everybody that's listening so um uh i just uh, uh there's um, there's another um um, um another verse uh, uh, there's well there's 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 many that uh, um, that I can that I can mention but I um, um, but um, it, it just uh it's it, it's 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 not easy uh pe- people People say that the church is filled with hypocrites, but I think really the hypocrites are those that aren't in the church because uh, people who are going to church are, are people who say, who are admitting that they need help and that they need God. And so, uh, um, and I've, you know, um, the, there's another verse uh, um, that. Um, uh, it says, behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and bring thee to the place which I have prepared. In Exodus. and uh, I'm now my my late wife and my parents are in heaven. I pray for them every day still. So, um, uh, so anyway, Joshua one nine is a is a great verse in. Uh, Uh, the the Bible says that God has uh, commanded us to be strong and be of good courage and be not dismayed because the Lord your God is with you wheresoever you go. Uh, I say, I go go on these, uh, I try, uh, not only do I get down on my knees and pray every morning, but I sometimes uh, walk around the neighborhood or someplace and go on uh, just, and when I'm on a walk, I've, um, uh, I do what I, you know, what people have called a prayer walk. And I say some of these verses, uh, um, you know, I, I repeat the 23rd Psalm or uh, just different, uh, different verses that I like. <coughs> My grandfather, uh, uh, I came across a card that he had made for a sermon he gave one time, and I wish I'd saved it, but he'd written, he'd written a sermon called The Ten Characteristics of a Christian. And at the bottom of it, he put my favorite Bible verse, Micah 6, eight. And at that point, I didn't know what was his favorite Bible verse, but uh, and I didn't know that verse when I, I was just a young man at that point, and I didn't know what that verse was. But it says, uh, leading into that verse, it says, <coughs> the Lord does not want to... Uh, 10,000 rivers of oil, or even the sacrifice of our firstborn. But it says, uh, verse 8, it says, He has showed you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and uh, uh, love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that pretty much sums up the Bible in a way that uh, it's not heavy theology, but the the Bible says that God wants us to be fair, to do justice, uh, to, to be fair, to be kind, and to be humble. And to realize that if we are able to achieve any good things or great things in this life, that it comes not from our own skills and talents and abilities, but from the good gifts of a great God. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I, have, I, I need to look up sometime to see how many times the word humble. Our humility is in the Bible. I bet it's in there a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do the word studies, and it's fascinating when you go in and see them. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not sure on the word humble or humility, but it is fascinating. And it actually is, in, in my opinion, fascinating to hear a congressman to spout off all these Bible verses, because I think that's a rare thing.
0: Well... I'm a, you know, you know, uh, Phil. I'm a. Uh, I I, I mean, I f- I feel good and I'm active and uh, but but, uh, I'm I'm, uh, uh, I'll be, uh, 76 in July, and I'm, blessed to have lived that long mm-hmm. and I hope I I still hope I live uh, uh, many more years but, uh, I've been. Uh, 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 every day, I ask for forgiveness for my uh, sins, my wrong thoughts, my wrong deeds, my prejudices, my selfishness, uh, my pride. Uh, uh, but uh, I ask for forgiveness mainly for my doubts and the weakness of my faith. And, and uh, uh, but uh, I work on I work on my faith every day, mm-hmm. and it's and I believe it's really helped me. And I believe I mean you know. I, and I look back on my life, all my dreams have come true. It's amazing to think about mm-hmm. that. I mean I've had terrible, I've had some really bad things happen to me as everybody has and mm-hmm. I could tell you about that. But when I look back and I think, I think, gosh I wanted to be a lawyer, I wanted at another point to be a judge, I wanted to be in Congress, but above all I wanted to get married and I wanted to have children mm-hmm. and now I have grandchildren. And I, the love I have gotten from my children and my grandchildren, I mean, it's, it's, just, uh, it's just amazing. And uh, mm-hmm. I had, a, I had a, a friend of mine who told me six or seven years ago, he said, you won the lottery with parents. And I had never thought of it in that way at that point. I knew that I wrote a theme when I was in high school, at Holston High School, and we were assigned to write on my greatest asset, and I wrote my greatest asset was my family. So I knew even as even as a boy that I was blessed to have the parents that I had, but um, I had never thought about that. Um, uh, You know, won the lottery as parents. I uh, I saw I saw a movie a couple years ago called The Richest Man in the World, and uh, it was about J. Paul Getty, and that man. He, he said it was, he was not only the richest man in the U.S. at that point, or at one point, he was the richest man in the world, but he'd been married five times. His fifth marriage had ended in a, in a bad way, and he had, a, he had one son, an older son, that he was estranged from. His uh, fifth marriage produced another son who died when he was 12 years old, and he was born blind, and he he didn't even go to his son's funeral, and he died in a mansion in Los Angeles, surrounded with maybe a uh, maybe a billion dollars worth of statues and artwork, but that man led one of the worst lives imaginable, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, I never did win a lottery in money but I won a lottery in parents mm-hmm. and that that really
2: helped me yeah I think that's very important that's what uh, my wife and I are trying to do with our three-year-old is to to, to raise her with the uh, the best intentions and, and scriptural backing and and the faith in God and and, and to work hard and and go forth and and, and make the world better through that. Um, we got too many, too many people and I, I'm fairly young guy, but uh, like I have cousins who are in high school and stuff and they're, they're telling me stuff. And I'm like, I did not know any of that stuff until I got older. And because they have access to the internet and then they believe everything they hear on the internet. And, um, they're just not grounded anymore in anything. And I
0: well, I tell young people all the time, I said, I know you have to learn the computers and so forth, but I said, every once in a while, see if you can pull yourself away from these very addictive screens and help out a live human being. I said, your life will mean more to you if you do. And I'll tell you all of us, including me, but, I mean, I spend, I t- I spend way too much look, time looking at my iPhone and my iPad and... and um, It's not good. It's it's people need to pull themselves away from the screens as much as they humanly can. Even the TV screens. I mean, Mm -hmm. I saw a study years ago that said they found that people watch four times as much television as they think they do, and what they'd done, they took like a thousand people and put machines on their TVs and uh, tested how much they had it, and they had them estimate. Because everybody says, "Oh, I don't watch much TV," but then what they found was the people were shocked. They they the average one watched the, the the they watched over four times as much
2: television as they had estimated before the test was run. Yeah, I mean it. It's crazy how time just slips away when you're watching TV or you're on Facebook or anything like that. And um, you know, I have to be on for some some of my work aspects. For, right for stuff, but I have to be very intentional that I'm getting on to do what I need for work and not getting down that rabbit hole of <laughs> scrolling. Uh, but it's very easy to do that. And
0: well, I'm fortunate in that all the jobs I've had, I had to deal with, uh, I had to spend most of my life dealing with actual live human beings. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I, th- I think it's sad now, people are not joining like the civic clubs and things like that nearly to the extent that they used to. And I, I would encourage people to go out and join some good group of a, Aquinas a club or a, a Lions club or a Sertoma club or, or get involved with some organization that's doing good things for live human beings and instead of just staring at screens all the time.
2: Well, you know, that's that's an important uh, thing. I like being social. I, uh, I'm i actually, growing up, I used to be an introvert and did not want to be around people. And then the older I got, I'm like, I have to have social interaction. And so I now, what, what I've seen now being termed as an omnivert, where you can be an introvert and an extrovert. But I have to be around people and serving people. I believe it's something God's called me to do. Is, is, to serve people, and that's hard to do that over a computer screen.
0: Let me tell you something. I I was I was so bashful when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have, you couldn't have been more bashful. I mean, gosh, uh, uh, first time I ever. I uh, first time I ever kissed a girl in high school was at the end of my senior year and I did the quickest peck you could have ever done. I just, I, I was not a, a wild party guy, I was a nerd, a, a introvert, but slowly but surely I, uh, I came out of that and, I, and I've realized through the years that about 95% of the people really are bashful. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, and, and, but they really appreciate it when somebody speaks to them. Mm-hmm. I tell you, the people who win uh, uh, elections, local elections anyway, are the people who knock on the most doors because people, they they really appreciate mm-hmm. that. And uh, yeah. uh, it's
2: uh, that was the they, advice that Congressman Burchett gave me. I ran in uh, 2020 for District One mm-hmm. and, uh, Congressman Rowe retired, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Tim Burchett had come in here for an interview and uh, with another show, and I was there. And he's like, "You're running, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Knock on every door." And then, unfortunately, COVID hit, and that made it a little more difficult yeah. to go door to door.
0: But COVID, COVID was a fraud. That that mm-hmm. was a cruel hoax. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm
2: I not. I agree with that. And now looking back, I should have. Because I was, I was going like. I don't know if I buy all this stuff that they're saying in the media, and I'm like, but all my advisors and who aren't necessarily political people were like, maybe you need to pull back a little bit, see how this goes, and and uh, and then well, like, I'll tell you what,
0: I, it, it was. I've got a column, and I write a weekly column for the Focus newspaper. Which you can pick up at a little over 500 locations in Knox County and and uh, all the public libraries and the food cities and so forth, and and uh, some of your articles are pretty good. I've read them. Well, <laughs> I read last last week. I wrote about my dog, but uh, and I try I try not to write about all political stuff. Mm-hmm. I've written about sports and music and some of my favorite Bible verses and. Just all kinds of things. A Barnes Barbershop, where I've gotten my haircut since I my first haircut when I was two years old, and I still get my haircut there today. And and uh, but uh, it's mostly on, on issues. And one that comes is coming out today is about the the COVID uh, uh, fraud. I mean, th- th- there was a disease, but you know they just basically replaced flu with it, mm-hmm. and it's, it was all about politics and money because the Democrats knew that inflation was so low and the economy was so strong that they had to do something drastic. Jane Fonda said COVID was a gift to the left and uh, they latched onto that to shut down a lot of the country. And then the the pharmaceutical, the giant pharmaceutical companies, uh, they, they created nine new billionaires. Uh, there's the head of Moderna that just came out a few, uh, weeks ago that he cashed in $393 million worth of stock options off of COVID. Wow. I mean, in in one year, man making almost $400 million. So it's, it's terrible mm-hmm. what was done and uh, all these kids kept out of school. So a lot of these young people are having mental problems because they, they not only lost a year of schooling, but they su- suffered mentally because of isolation and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just ridiculous what was done in a vaccine that uh, was uh, uh, advertised to be, that w- it was not effective and it in many ways was harmful. I mean, I, I just think, it, but, but the, the left wing today, they, they claim they're for the little guy, but everything they do helps the super wealthy, the mm-hmm. giant corporations, and the people at the top. Yeah. they're not helping the little guy. In fact, most of what they do hurts the little guy.
2: Yeah. And um I, I I knew that I I saw that a lot growing up. I I tell people that my political career started with a uh, impeachment because I saw the impeachment of uh, Bill Clinton and I was like what does this mean? I was still young enough that I'm like I'm not really sure what this means. Right. And then after they impeach Donald Trump I was like I, I'm done I got to get involved I'm old enough now I'm gonna <laughs> throw my hat in to run and and uh and just seeing some of the things especially running and seeing the way some people that ran the way they handled their campaigns and and things was like these people aren't necessarily on the up and up yeah and well, so
0: well big we're, we're, we're governed in this country mm-hmm. today by a big government, big business duopoly, mm-hmm. and uh, and the, the 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 bureaucracy has way too much power, and the people over the years, the people have lost their power to mm-hmm. to uh, this big government, big business duopoly, and and the bureaucracy.
2: Anyway, and you. Uh and you had to vote on some things and vote against things that would take power away from us. And I was hearing because uh, you were recently on the Bob Bell show on our sister station, Drive right. 620, and I had forgot about this because I was young at the time. But you actually voted against the Iraq War.
0: Voted against the Iraq War, yes. And and, uh, um, and I voted for years that to get out of Afghanistan, but. Uh, uh, what I found out, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not a pacifist, but I will tell you that uh, we, we have, we've had through our country uh, uh, too many people at the top who've been too eager to go to war because uh, mm-hmm. uh, they feel more powerful and important, I guess. In fact, it's in it fascinating to me that the most anti-war president we've ever had, or at least in the last 150 years, was Dwight Eisenhower. And the, and uh, and it's ironic that he's the one who spent his career in the military, but you, he in uh, April of 1953, his first major speech as president is sometimes called the Cross of Iron speech, and you go back and read that speech, and he talks about the costs of what you could do with the, with the cost of one bomber or one warship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, it is the most anti-war speech ever given by a president probably in history. And everybody, when you say anti-war speech, everybody thinks back to his, his uh, farewell speech in 1961 in which he warned against the uh, military-industrial complex. But, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, and he, he kept us, he, he had tremendous pressure in 1956 to go to war uh, against uh, Egypt over the Suez Canal and, uh, uh, and he refused and, and, uh, and because he was getting pre- uh, pressure from uh, Great Britain and France and Israel, all three, and he, and he refused that tremendous pressure. Mm-hmm. And said he was even going to withdraw aid to Israel if if they uh, didn't back out. And uh, the more the more I learn, the greater Eisenhower becomes. Mm-hmm. But I but but my, my one of my main problems was, I, f- I figured out early on that the, it seemed to me that there were no fiscal conservatives at the Pentagon, and they just were like any other bureaucracy. They just wanted more, 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 more. And of course, they talked about the revolving door at the Pentagon. The, all the defense contractors hired all the retired admirals and generals, and then um, it's just a money thing. In the mm-hmm. sa- uh, same way, COVID was a money deal. Same way, this environmental extremism is a money deal. And uh, you know, there's that old saying:
2: "Follow the money." Yeah, it's. Uh... It, it is. It's when you pull the curtain back behind a lot of this stuff. It's it's interesting, and uh, you've you spent thirty years in Congress, so that was the late eighties until, uh, right. Whatever. I can't do math yeah, very was, well. It, I went it, to Seymour. But it uh, was. <laughs> a, it was.
0: Uh, I was first elected in nineteen eighty eight, and I served uh, till the end of
2: twenty eighteen. So and then. Um, you have recently written written a book about time in Congress and I guess uh, other stories from your life called uh, "From Bat Boy to Congressman." Right, thirty years in the U.S. House.
0: Yes, I, I write about uh, my uh, early jobs I had in high school and college. I, I write about my law, uh, some of my law practice, some of my judgeship, but uh, but it's more most of it is about my time in Congress. Uh, uh, and there's greater turnover in the mm-hmm. election uh, elective office day than people realize I, in my 30 years there, I served with almost 1,500 other members of the House. And unless you're a political junkie, you probably couldn't name people, people would be lucky to name 50 of them. Mm-hmm. because members of the House, unless you're just an absolute full-time publicity seeker, which I was not, uh, or unless you get in a major scandal, most most people never hear of, of a you know typical congressman outside mm-hmm. of his or her own district but mm-hmm. that's alright, it's alright, that was alright with me because I got my best feeling in helping people with their problems that they were having and the uh, the constituent service, some people think that's boring but I thought it was fascinating and I, mm-hmm. I felt good helping people, uh, in fact uh, uh, one time, one Friday afternoon in my Knoxville office, I told Jenny Stansberry, I said, uh, Jenny, sometimes I think I should put a Duncan Employment Agency on the door because I had six appointments that afternoon, and all six were people wanting help in getting jobs or better jobs. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I always felt good about that, that I was able to help people or advise people in a way to help them get jobs and so forth or better jobs.
3: Yeah.
2: And uh, it's always I, I love talking to uh, I don't want to call you a politician because in a lot of ways that's a bad word and I don't necessarily see you as a politician. No, but it's unfortunate that that is a, a, mm-hmm. that it that is unfortunate that it's
0: uh, that it is a bad word to most mm-hmm. people because if 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 you don't have politics, then you, then the people
2: have no control at all over what their government does Mm -hmm. yeah so i uh i recommend well full full disclosure i haven't read his book yet but i still recommend it because i know uh having grown up in this area and seen what he's done i know uh that it's going to be fascinating and um some good insight into his life and life as a congressman and and some of the areas around here in Knoxville.
0: Well, it's thank you, Phil. It's it, about half the book is just kind of humorous stories. Mm-hmm. Some are, there are some serious uh, stories in there, and some are just interesting political stories. If you if you like uh, if you like sports and politics and interesting legal cases, it's my book is called "From Cong- from Bat Boy to Congressman: Thirty Years in the U.S. House," mm-hmm. and the reason I Titled that, my, my late wife uh, told me that my biggest claim to fame was that I was once bat boy for the Knoxville Smokies baseball team. And and uh, I love, uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I've i I've gotten turned off in recent years off of these ridiculous salaries that they pay to some of these players, but I, I've always been a big, big sports fan. Before I could get an hourly pay job, I used to sell Cokes and popcorn at the UT basketball games and programs at the mm-hmm. football games and you know I worked at all these sports events mm-hmm. so that I could uh, earn a little extra money as a kid
2: anyway. But thank you, thank you for having me on this oh, program. Yeah, it's, it's been a real honor for me. It, it's been a, it's been an honor to have you on and uh, I, uh, I I I I want to go ahead and bestow you are a member of the Liberty Tree Society now. So we. Uh, we're just expressing the ideas that are true and faithful, and, and I believe that you're one of those people that do that. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for talking with me during this time. And, and go out and get his books, and um, thank you for joining us today. So well, thank you, Phil. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is the Liberty Tree Society Program, and I'm your host, Phil Arlinghouse. this episode go back it's on the archive page it's on google and uh, uh apple and everything and I'll, I'll, anywhere you can get podcasts you can get it um the, the show and i just want to thank him again on here and it was an honor he was in studio for uh recording another show and i ended up uh, stilling him for a few minutes to come on this show and it's it just was a privilege to meet him I haven't heard stories from other people uh, Congressman Burchant's told a few stories uh, I've had a uh, I've talked with his uh, sisters uh, state senator uh, Becky duncan Massey and uh, and then my wife's stepdad uh, knows him back when he was a sheriff's deputy and going in front of him when uh, he was a judge here in Knox county and so it was great for me to have an opportunity to, to meet him myself and um, ha- have this time to, to interview him and just hear some of his uh, life story and his um, his faith and his background. And, and that's like I said here, we um, he's come on and he's promoting his book, From Bat Boy, to Congressman, 30 Years in the U.S. House. And... Um, you know this is this is out now, so you can go uh, pretty much anywhere books are sold, whether that's uh, Amazon or uh, thrift books or or probably Barnes and Noble, um, it, it, places like that, and you can go find this book and get it and read it yourself. And um, and I'm I'm sure we'll we're going to have more people like him on uh, Congress uh, men and women and. And uh, some state senators and and th- different things, but it was just an honor and a privilege to have him on the day, and got to talk some different issues and 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 some of his story about being Congress and and uh, his views on uh, there at the end about COVID being a fraud, and uh, which I do agree with him on that, but we. Um, We've just seen a lot, and he he has a unique perspective because he was in Congress for so long and um, that he he's seen that and he's been there and he's done, done that, been part of these committees, been part of these hearings, and uh, some of the things he can share, some of them he can't share just because of the sensitivity nature of it, but um, especially having met him and spent a little bit of time with him, uh, definitely... Uh, have more respect for him and definitely he's definitely one of the good guys that we had in Congress and so it's just been an honor to have him. and so that shifted our schedule a little today uh... so we just had three segments because the second segments a longer segment but uh, still same amount of time so we'll have to uh, we'll get back on track with that hopefully we get some more guests here a more high-caliber guest, and as like uh, Jimmy Duncan and and, and others. But it's been a privilege to have these guests and these interviews and and be part of your life, sharing these stories and and interviewing these people. And um, I just uh, appreciate that you listen. And if you have any questions, comments, whatever we have, Facebook, um, you can go on to the Talk Radio 92.3 Facebook page and leave a comment there. Or you can go to the Liberty Tree Society Program Facebook or Instagram and leave comments there. And uh, like, follow, share, whatever you want to do with that uh, just to help boost those numbers. We we very much appreciate that. You can leave comments on anywhere you find the podcast. So Apple, Google, iHeart. Uh, just anywhere there we're, we're on Amazon all, all sorts of stuff and so you can go there and like those things give us a comment if you have and you're more don't really use that we have a voicemail system here it's 85 Knoxville uh, so dial that out on your phone 85 Knoxville you can leave a voicemail on the on the uh, talk studio uh, voicemail machine and we can get that and have comments so very much appreciate you joining us today thank you again to former congressman jimmy duncan and i'll see you next time here on the liberty tree society program with rose phil arlenhouse.
1: thank you for gathering around this old tree new ideas old ideas but faithful and patriotic ideas this has been another episode of the liberty tree society program with phil arlenhouse